everybody. Welcome back to Either the Podcast. And today, the gang is going to record a podcast. As always, I'm Kate, and here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. Today, we're going to be talking about Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And Adrian's going to be leading us through this episode. Yeah. 2020 is on fire. So who better to get us through it than It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Because I would love to see an episode about how the gang saves 2020. Uh, it's all crazy. So let's just talk about people who are terrible people so we feel good about ourselves. Um, for our intro question, we'll just kind of go, since this is basically like the darker Seinfeld, which it's been called, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, I'm going to steal Matt's intro question from the Seinfeld episode. How much Always Sunny have you watched, and what is your favorite moment or episode? Uh, start with Kate. Uh, so I think I've watched seven seasons, six or seven seasons. I haven't kept up with it at all. Um, but I know there was one time where I just binged everything that was available on Hulu at the time and I just haven't gone back. Um, but I want to, and I always mean to, uh, but it's one of those where like, I feel like I have to be prepared <laughs> to go into it. Um, <laughs> I have to be definitely in in a specific kind of mood. That being said, um, I think my favorite episode is the Dayman episode where they do the play, just because I love that song so much. Um, And then I would say my favorite moment, that's hard. I think my favorite moment has to be the Sickness Be Gone episode. Just because I think of that moment a lot with Dennis. Yeah. Yeah. Those and are good. then, like, right behind that is uh, Fat Mac becoming not Fat Mac. Yeah. That's a weird progression. I've been rewatching the series over the last couple of weeks, and it's a weird progression. As soon as that beard comes in, you're like, oh, this is happening, and it's not stopping. And then all of a sudden, it's not that. It's There's no, there's no progression downwards. It's very, very jarring. Uh, what about you, Matt? Um, what season does Fat Mac actually come happen again? Is that seven or eight? Yeah, it's around that around that time. So I know I watched like season eight. I think it's eight. So I watched everything up to Fat Mac. Like actually, I've seen all of it, even though it's been like years at this point. But then I've obviously watched some with Fat Mac. But I do know like I watched consistently and kind of bent up to basically Fat Mac. And then I think I was like caught up. And then like. Once you get caught up on a show, sometimes you got to wait for things to catch back up. And then it was just like, oh, you know. And then I lost it, obviously, as time went down and TV and FX did their dumb stuff where we're going to make FXX or whatever stupid channels they had. Um, we go. Um, as far as favorite moment, I don't... There's a lot of messed up moments, so I don't even know like which is my favorite one. Because I know we talk about a lot of them all the time. The... <laughs> The one that I mean, always I think I think like just full disclosure, like this show is messed up. So like the fact that people like it show that you know we're okay with the messed up moments. The show is still on air. 15 oh yeah, years but because I mean the one that probably I think we talk about most time is the boat episode, which is probably great. It's probably also probably one of the worst episodes. But like yeah, because you know. of, of the implication. Yeah, because of the implications. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. That's peak Dennis for sure. Uh, yeah, it, it is. And so I was like, that's probably the one that comes up. I feel like comes up the most when I talk about it. Um, just because it's like, oh, you don't know the implication? 
So I will say I've made it to season 10 because the first episode of season 10 is the gang beats Boggs. And that's the episode where they go on that bender. Yeah. Like the, like the, the, that baseball player. And that yeah. episode is actually phenomenal. Yeah. That one's really good. I enjoy that one a lot. Uh, yeah. So... And I've always wanted to put wine, uh, wine in Coke cans. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good idea. Uh. It's also so many beers. That's so many beers. My bladder would just wants. I just wanted to go pee thinking about that episode. Uh, but I'm sure more, more will come up as as we talk about them. Um, and you know, as you remember, um, I myself I've watched all 14 seasons because they're all on Hulu. So I think I think maybe like last year or maybe earlier this year when like all everything happened, I think I watched all of season 14. So um, I'm all cut up. And then I think season 15 is like in the process of being written. I don't think they have a release date on it yet. But um, I'm I'm all cut up, um, and we'll talk. To, I guess we'll talk about some of the moments that that happen in like season ten, season eleven, season twelve a little bit because there are some pretty good episodes kind of in those that show that they're kind of like still kind of pushing the boundaries of what you can put on a cable television show. <laughs> the series follows the gang, a group of five fictional misfit friends, two twi- uh, twins, Dennis Reynolds um, and DeAndre Reynolds. And Dennis Reynolds is played by Glenn Howerton, and Dee's played by Caitlin Olson. No relation to the Olson sisters, in case you're wondering, because I feel like every now and again I see someone popped up who's like, oh, they're related to the Olsons. Uh, but no relation there. Their friends, Charlie Kelly, who's played by Charlie Day, and Ronald Mac McDonald, played by Rob McElhenney. Mc- McElroy. McElroy. what? What? I'm pretty sure. Oh no, never mind. I was like, like, how do you else? get McElroy? Yeah. My brain, <laughs> I was like, I my know brain my is somewhere. <laughs> who, who is Rob McElroy though? Yeah, Miguel Henny. Oh, uh, I'm just gonna go. call him Rob because everyone just calls him Rob. In all the interviews I've watched, everyone just say, "Yeah, Rob." Rob. Um, and from season two onwards, we have Frank Reynolds, who's played by the adorable and great Danny DeVito, who needs to be protected plays... at all costs. <laughs> Protect at all costs for sure. And he plays Dennis and Dee's legal father. The gang basically runs a fictional pub in Philadelphia called Patty's Pub. It's unsuccessful, and they basically get into a bunch of hijinks. Um, each member of the gang displays unethical behavior and traits such as excessive drug and drinking, dishonesty, cruelty, selfishness, egotism. Each episode, usually you find them hatching elaborate schemes and often conspiring against one each other one another for personal gain, vengeance, or simply just the entertainment of watching the other one's downfall. Don't really know how they're friends um, after... I do like the one where they do the... They drug everybody with the babies. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> well, no, because we talked about the downfall stuff, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. they did the one where they... Uh, as far as, like, how they're friends, uh, they literally drug each other just to prove a point. Yeah, I mean, Charlie McDennis is literally a game built just for them to screw each other over, and they play it every year. I just keep thinking about when we're going to have to talk about cricket. <laughs> we'll talk about, yeah, and I guess other people, too, <laughs> I guess. Um, we specifically cricket, because if there's anyone who has character, there's, like, really no character development in this show. Um, except other, for cricket. Except for cricket, really. <laughs> uh, and people who are just close to them just slowly turning into other also bad people uh the more that they're connected with them so the premise of the show basically lets you know what you're going to get this is not a show where you're supposed to like the characters and it is not one that is very politically correct like literally at all 
even from like the early on title episodes from 2005. So episode one, like literally the first episode of this entire show is the gang gets racist. Episode two is Charlie wants an abortion. Um, there's other stuff. There's like underage drinking and stuff. And then one of the last episodes of the season is Charlie gets molested. So it's a very, um, I don't know. You can't make this show now. I don't think it would, I don't think it would fly now. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about kind of some of that stuff a little bit later on. Um, the creation of the show itself is basically just from the minds of Charlie Day, uh, Glenn Howerton and Rob. They're basically, they were all friends in LA and they just had a short film idea that, that Rob and Glenn wrote where a, basically a friend comes over to another friend's house to get some sugar. The friend tells him that he has cancer and all the guy can think about is getting out of there and getting his sugar, um, which is basically one of the episodes which, where Charlie has cancer. Um, and that's like basically how they shot it. The This was basically developed into a pilot episode and they shot it all like on a digital camera. It's like very like low tech. It's essentially like what you get when you look at when they do anything, when they're trying to market anything. It's basically them doing that but in real life so they shopped the pilot uh to different studios and all they did was like show the dvd to executives which is basically what they do when they're trying to get like lethal weapon six off the ground like they just show the video to people and that's kind of all they did but and they think that it's ingenious yeah and that's i mean like in the show, you're like, oh, that's stupid. That's basically just what they did for their pilot episodes because it's literally just him on, like, a recorder. It's it's really not that much different than, like, the first season, to be honest. It's the production value. So after viewing the pilot, FX Network ordered the first season. The show was budgeted at $450,000 an episode, less than a third of a network standard. After changing the game from a struggling group of actors in L.A. to a struggling to struggling bar owners in Philly... The first season would premiere in 2005 for a seven-episode se- seven run. I think that was a great oh. decision because, obviously, I think just it fits with the city of Philadelphia. I mean, everybody always laughs in the front of Philadelphia <laughs> for being stupid, crazy people. Yeah. Like I said, it's like it fits perfectly with like the city in general. They boot Santa Claus. Everybody knows all the stuff. They're not the city of brotherly love. That's yeah. just a... Yeah, they thought. flipped off a baby in a Vikings jersey. <laughs> Uh, in the oh NFC God. Championship game. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they they actually said it that way, and Rob was like, well, I'm from Philly, so I understand Philly stuff. So that's basically like why they switched it to Philly after the networks were like, I don't want to do actors or in Hollywood. Let's do something different. And Rob was like, hey, I'm from Philly. Let's just go shoot it over there. That's what uh, I was going to ask was, like, why was that the decision? But I guess it, I guess it kind of makes it more relatable, too. If yeah, and just... they they were trying to like do it like that, but they they thought like I mean there's already stuff like that where you have you know struggling actors, sitcom mm-hmm. kind of type of things, or like struggling people in Hollywood. Um, yeah, some some struggling people in New York trying to make it kind of thing. So that's why they went with Philly because it's obscure and you know more hijinks. And putting them in a bar gives them like you know alcohol induced <laughs> plans, <laughs> yes. which you know. Um, after the first season, FX executives were worried about the show's low rating and demanded that they that they make changes. So basically, the show was on at 10.30 p.m. on Thursday nights, so not getting a whole lot of views. 
and the network said it would do a season a season, second season if they brought in a big name which the trio was hesitant about because they kind of like the feel of like no no name actors kind of like the lowest budgeted show on tv and things like that but it's basically bring someone in or there's no more show so danny devito was brought in after being a fan of the show and after his kids being a fan of the show talked to rob more about the character and he just kind of loved it bought on season two and then they would basically go on to have 14 seasons with the 15th season approved and in the writing process now so danny devito basically saves the show in that second season danny devito is great on this show him and Charlie Danny DeVito is, is phenomenal. Fantastic. Danny DeVito is precious and awful and so good at both of the things. So I have to think about my moment again. And I guess the other moment I do is when Danny DeVito says, here, toss, or when Charlie says, toss me the keys, and Danny DeVito like winds up and pitches them to him <laughs> into the lake. <laughs> You're underhanded, man. He's like, you told yeah. me to toss it. I did. I, and I was like, you... <laughs> Yeah, I guess I didn't say my favorite moment. I don't think I have one because like the whole show is just great. Yeah. I've been like watching the show over again, and there's just like so many things. Like after I'm talking about Danny DeVito, I'm thinking about again, kind of we talked about before when they do like the one flew over the cuckoo's nest like parody thing, <laughs> yeah. and they have everyone there, even like a little Danny DeVito there. Oh, it's so good! It's so good. I loved it. I loved it. And then when he runs away, he's just running, running away. When he comes out of the little couch thing, like we talked about in our Ginger Ito episode. Yes. Oh my God, it's so good. Danny DeVito's great. He's great. So before we get into about why there's anything else, any other questions on like the production history or anything like that before we kind of get into some of the stuff? No. Mm-mm. No, cool. no so, it's pretty straightforward. While it might not be as good as commercial for, as Kitten Mittens, the Patty's Pub, Shotgun Shot, or Fight Milk, we do hope you enjoy this offer from Manscaped. I hear prayers great with a dick towel. If you're listening to this podcast stuck inside your house with your significant other, I want you to pay close attention. Today's sponsor, Manscaped, can help you out and make the most of your time together. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving your balls. It's time to quarantine Manscaped and chill. But now that we've said what they want us to say, here's what we think about the products. Yeah, so Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their perfect package. It's the perfect package for your package. In the Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the Lawnmower 3.0, which is waterproof, cordless, that is has this crazy technology that doesn't nick your balls when you put it next to your balls. Did you hear me? It doesn't nick your balls. That's the best part. But it also comes with some other liquids that are going to help you kind of round out your manscaping routine, which are also fantastic. Wow, you said balls a lot. Because you know why? We're all about keeping good ball hygiene. And I don't know about you all, but as we all know, we all are from Texas, and I've lived here the majority of my life. And we have a saying go, we sweating our balls off. And so you know what that means? Basically, make sure your balls are in good hygiene. Let's not forget about the crop preserver, the anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits, right? So why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? So I obviously don't have balls. But as Bruce Wayne's bat peen has shown us, significant others very much like them to be shaved. You're probably spending more time than ever with your significant other right now. And let me tell you, we notice if it is not kept nice down there. So um, the cool thing is, is that subscribers get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. And I'm going to be honest, I don't think quarantine's going to be done next month, no matter what people say. So having them delivered will help keep you nice and fresh throughout this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, for a limited time, subscribers also get not one, but two free gifts. 
the Shred Travel Bag, which basically is a bag for all of your wonderful trimmings. And you also get the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. They are Amazing. the most comfortable boxer briefs I own. I love them. If I could buy more of them, I would. So you can get 20% off and free shipping with code ButWhyThough at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. And use code ButWhyThough. Most people are loading up on toilet paper, but I'm loading up on Manscaped products. Help your relationship out during this quarantine, your partner, your body, and more importantly, your balls. Oh, my God. Transitions. I worked real hard on that one. I did. I did. It took me a couple minutes to come up with that one. That was a good one. That's probably our best one. All right. So we're back, and we'll get into some of the but why those. So usually when we talk about these TV shows and if we're talking about them, they're usually pretty critically acclaimed and award-winning well of course as per the genre and the move the show itself it's always in southern philadelphia it's successful but not with any awards like really at all i'm not surprised um, by this however it is the longest live action sitcom longest running live action sitcom in u.s tv history but it also has like no emmy wins it has a couple of Emmy nominations, but really no notable, nothing really notable. It's more like stunt work and stuff because in the later seasons, they start doing crazy stuff with stunts and things. Um, but it is still going on 15 years later and develops basically a little bit of a cult following, especially after its syndication run on um, on FX and then, you know, with Comedy Central and FFXX14X um, has a nice syndication run there. So a couple of uh, reviews from some some people, since there's no like Emmy Awards to kind of announce, I'll just read some stuff that some people have said about it. So the Philadelphia Inquirer reviewer, Jonathan Storm, wrote, It's like Seinfeld on crack, a quote that has basically widely become to, to describe the series to the point where FX literally made that the tagline, it's Seinfeld on crack. Um, in 2014, Entertainment Weekly listed the show at number seven in the 26th best cult tv shows ever with a comment that it's a great underdog story if it sounds too dark for you consider that there's one episode about making mittens for kittens and it's adorable in 2019 the bbc called it called the show the best u.s sitcom praising the show's unique outlook and ability to range from nihilistic humor to genuine heartfelt moments when I read that line, I was like, what? how many heartfelt moments are there? Yeah, that was <laughs> like, that's a that's a stretch. Maybe just with like like with Char- uh, Charlie and and Danny DeVito, I think that's really really the only heartfelt moments that are there. Uh rating wise, Char- the show does pretty well. Um has an eight point eight on IMDB, ninety six on Rotten Tomatoes, eight point eight on TV.com, and a ninety three percent on Google. So I will say I'm I wanna say I'm, it's sad and disappointing, but I'm not surprised it doesn't win any awards. We, this is basically the show that people like, but clearly, um, as we've mentioned on plenty of other uh, episodes, uh, critics, not necessarily critics of rating, but like awards people would not like this, per se. Yeah. Because like, as much as we talked about Seinfeld was bad when we did our Seinfeld episode of these characters, on uh, once, obviously, this is Seinfeld on crack, but also just the fact of like, a lot of the jokes come from this like subtle humor that you have to get, and like, we... And it honestly wasn't, <clears throat> not saying that it was even, that wasn't picked up at the time, but as we even talked about before, of like, much we found stuff funny, it wasn't until we got older and we went through and looked of like, you have to kind of 
analyze the characters itself to see that these are bad people versus this show of like right off the bat you're like this person is terrible there's no like yeah. if ands or buts about it yeah i think yeah, that which... that's that's Over. one of the things we kind of talked we kind of talked about it with our archer episode that like part of me feels like some people who take this at like face value or whatever i think they miss a lot of the larger stuff that it does with comedy and like the larger i guess like settings that they're making like what they're saying about the characters that are this awful that i think it makes it like oh yeah i definitely can't vote for that or like i definitely can't put that i like this show because there's an uh, the first the very first episode of it is called the gang gets racist like it i think that that is like that barrier for people to sometimes even admit that they want like it especially like in a critical sense so yeah i mean and they're the the shows the writers the the trio for sure are like very self-referential self-referential in that that way like they literally have an episode called the gang desperately tries to win an award where they're like trying to do all the things that like an emmy person would like to see in a thing so they're they mean they obviously don't get nominated for that they get nominated that same year for like stunt work because they do crazy stuff in that season but yeah they're they definitely understand that they're not winning any awards I think they're just happy to still be on TV after 15 years, I think, is the, the bigger thing for them, it seems like. This once again goes back to the fact that awards are overrated. True. Definitely. Definitely. I was kind of looking at, like, what was winning the awards at the time, and it was kind of what you would expect. And we'll talk a little bit a little later about, like, what is going on sitcom-wise while this is going on. So I do talk a, about, oops, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so I was going to say, like, well, because at the time that it's going on, other TV shows are going on that are obviously winning the awards that are probably critically acclaimed, winning lots of Emmys. So there's really no room for Always Sunny to win an award with a so show. I, so the only question this. I did have was, um, do you think that being on FX played it, a part in it at all? Because I know when it comes to, like, the Emmys and everything, people literally just look at ABC, CBS, NBC, and I guess technically Fox and they, like, just grab stuff out of those. I know we have other channels and people stuff, but for the most part, that's probably where you could... I could probably say, what, 70% of the awards come from that? Well, and I think that I think that, that also has to do with, like, the last comment you said, and, like, even how I said, like, the shows on ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox are network television. Or not... Is it network? Yes, they're network television. So their bar of what you can do is so much lower yeah. than, like, the stuff that you can do on cable television, Correct. like like FX and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. I don't think they ever would have got Greenland. I, I don't even... I doubt they took this to CBS and was like, here's CBS. Here's oh, this hell pilot. No. CBS <laughs> no. HBO, maybe? <laughs> yeah, so I... And they, and they were... I was watching one of the interviews, and they're like, yeah, we took, like, the first studio that said yes that was like, yeah, just do this. We like this. Do this. Because they kind of, like, let them do... I mean, they changed some stuff. Like, apparently, uh, Cricket, who starts off as, like, a uh, pastor, was supposed to be, like, not that great with kids. But the network was like, maybe don't do that. And then they changed, like, oh, that gosh. part. Um, so they, there is stuff that they had to change. But largely, like, they get to just do kind of whatever they want on the show. And it just kind of just flows that way. Which kind of gets me into like the next point of where this is basically like a show that's made and acted by friends. Um, because if you watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you, like the biggest things you can see is that the chemistry between the cast is pretty much like undeniable. Like they can they do stupid stuff all the time, but as long as like they're all together and they're bouncing off of each other, it turns out pretty great. Um, I think this is mainly due to that the people who are in the show are also the people who are creating it, writing it, and producing it, basically kind of all at the same time. 
um, which allows them to kind of be in sync when their lines are written. Uh, because much of the show is scripted. There's really not a whole lot of ad lib stuff because what they're writing is just automatically funny. So they don't really have to add in too much um, of the things. Uh, when I was watching one of the interviews today, uh, Charlie Day was like, was like, oh, let me ad lib this part. And then he kind of ad libs it, he thinks, but it's basically just what they've written down anyway because it was like it's already funny already. Uh, but there are some cool ad-libbing things, and those relationships kind of also allow those kind of moments to flow. So some of the best ad-libs that I was able to find, Charlie improvising his Rock and Flag Eagle song, um, <laughs> where he's like, Rock and Flag Eagle. That's completely uh, ad-libbed because he couldn't remember the words to the song. Charlie's song in The Gang Desperately Tries to Win an Award. I don't think you guys have seen that one because a little bit later on in the thing, but he basically like is like playing the piano and singing, and it's just off the top of the dome. Um, one of the funniest ones I I saw for sure was Dennis reading his campaign speech that Charlie wrote. If you're not familiar with Charlie, Charlie in the show is basically illiterate and can't write or read, so he wrote Dennis's campaign speech, and the script had it just like, I'm not reading this, this doesn't make any sense, but Charlie Day pushed him to like read the thing, and then he reads it off as like if someone who can't read or write wrote the thing. And that's completely ad libbed, and it's one of my it's one of the funniest moments in that whole episode. I think the funniest thing is that Charlie is pure, like just gent like Charlie is like <laughs> Charlie is a bad person because Charlie lets people tell him what to do and lacks all common sense. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely the best worst person there for sure. He is. He's just trying to he's just trying to do all the Charlie deals. Charlie is Charlie is like an empty vessel that other people put badness into. Definitely. I will say, Dennis, uh, basically, when he does any type of his speeches are probably some of my favorite ones. We're just like, these people are terrible, and here's why. Or we need to do this plan. Yeah. Yeah, those are all, all great. Here are the keys <laughs> to life. It's just so ridiculous. Just so ridiculous. Um, and then even, like, past just the trio themselves, I think it's also heightened a little bit, too, because Caitlin Olsen, who plays um, D is married um to max character in real life and charlie day is married to mary elizabeth ellis who plays the waitress so there is just like undeniable chemistry built even outside of just that trio even down to the relationships that the people have outside of the show um especially since um d and mac basically get together during season two so it happens like very early on where they're in that relationship which i think is hilarious this means that this dude just wrote just terrible, terrible, terrible jokes for his significant other, and it just blows my mind every time I think about it. For basically like 15 years, just doing crazy stuff to his wife. So it's still funny, by the way, that the fact that the waitress turns out this poor uh, person who basically gets stalked into she's actually a bad person by the yeah. end. Another example of good person turned into bad person just by hanging out with them. Yeah, gets corrupted so bad by them where you're like, oh, this waitress, she's actually kind of bad. But, like, yeah. you also can't blame her. I mean, I'm not saying she didn't go through a lot of stuff, but it's just funny because by the end, she gets pretty bad. I mean, I don't know where she's gone, obviously, in some of the later seasons. She's still around. But I saw the last stuff I've seen with her. So I was like, oh. oh. Oh, yeah, no. It goes from, like, this is relatable. Man, this sucks. Oh, yeah, they stalk the crap out of you to, holy crap, go away. What's happening? Yeah. Um, And then also, I just I also found out that basically everyone's significant other has showed up on the show. Uh, because Dennis is also married to the pharmacist who he uses the Dennis system on. Which is the great um, shit. And they got married two months before that episode even came out. So they were already together when that episode happened. 
Can you explain the dentist system? Because the dentist system's great. Uh, yeah, I, let me pull up the dentist system. So when I made the comment earlier about Dennis doing his little rants of when he brings out the, I guess the paper, the, I don't even know what those boards are called. It's anymore. a it's a giant post-it boards. Yeah. I have it right here. Uh, <laughs> D, demonstrate value. E, engage physically. N, nurturing dependence. N, neglect emotionally. I, inspire hope. S, separate entirely. And the reason this is awful is that this is legitimately the signs of abuse. This is how, isn't it? This is his dating system, isn't it, correct? Yes, yes it yes, is. Right. It's his dating system, which is literally the signs of abuse. It's awful. Yeah, it's awful. Oh, Dennis and it's even is worse like... when the gang tries to replicate it yep. in their own way. Poor Charlie, yep. tries to, Charlie tries to do this, and this is where we get back <laughs> yeah, to the waitress. It, it's a... so bad. Oh, it's oh. it's so bad. Also, I found a picture of Dennis in black and white with the with the Dennis system over him and a Nike logo, and it is really good and awful. Oh no! <laughs> it's so bad. Like it, Dennis is probably the single worst character that I have ever seen on television. Oh, totally. I mean, I could, I don't know about on television, but he, I guess for. For not playing like a, um, I guess like a true villain of like a type of show. For not being what's his face from you, he's the worst. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Outside of being <laughs> that's like the a bar true villain of like, mur- I mean, I don't even know if murder at this point, but you know, he's by far one of the worst characters there is. Yeah. Oh no, he. I mean, De- Dennis. Dennis walks so that guy from you can. Dennis perfected yes. the Dennis system, so you can pretty much take it to another level. Pretty Which much. once again it's... goes back to Jason Alexander. Basically, Dennis replicated and took this on crack, and yeah. you're not far off. <laughs> and they just look the same too. It's they just do. the, really it's the craziest part of it. It's um, bad. Dennis is one of the worst people in existence. He's the worst character in existence, and I. Every time somebody talks about this show, I'm like, "What?" And then I watch an episode, like, "Oh yeah, that's why I liked it." <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and before we kind of move on from there, I just I was trying to think like I, I can't think of any other shows that we've talked about at least on the podcast so far of shows that are like made by people who also act in it and have like this such deeper role other than like Seinfeld. So I was gonna bring this up when you got back to the I guess when you talked about the sitcoms at the time because I feel like this was a good thing because obviously we talked about Seinfeld but I think because you talked about like I believe The Office is another show that we all really enjoy that does and I believe they all act in the show that work on that show as well and I know that along with this one and it does seem to be necessarily quite I don't know about a trend but it does seem to play an effect where um, if you have to act out what you what you wrote um, clearly you're gonna know whether it's good or bad I guess. Yeah, which is something that they talked about a whole bunch. So like they're like, oh, like oh, we wrote that. Like well, that was that was a stupid joke. <laughs> like, let's go back and fix it. Um, and then just talking about the office, I think it's a good segue into kind of like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It takes like a really dark left turn when other shows are going right. Um, so in two thousand five, CBS gets How I Met Your Mother, and NBC gets the remake of The Office. Office in two thousand five which are, like, generally on a, lo- a lighter note. I mean, there's, like, bad people in both of those shows that aren't supposed to be good people, right? But, like, Always Sunny is definitely kind of outlier in those those three shows that are basically making their debuts. Um, so, like, despite, like, all that stuff, like, those, I mean, I, like, like you're saying, like, Dwight does crazy stuff in The Office. Um, 
Barney does crazy stuff and crazy stuff happens in how I met your mother. But the first season, the very first season of it's always sunny in Philadelphia, the same year that the other shows are coming out is covering underage drinking, cancer, gun control. And this is obviously like in the wake of post nine 11, the second Bush term. Um, and it's like, no one is really pushing this kind of humor out there. The really only thing I can think of that's kind of close to this what I'd imagine would probably have been Trailer Park Boys. This Trailer Park Boys comes out before this, but it's also like in Canada. I didn't watch Trailer Park Boys. Trailer I, Park Boys till they hit Netflix anyway. I tried. I still can't get in Trailer Park Boys. I know some people love it. I could not do that. And I then will, I will say though, by the way, since you're talking about the first season of Breath of Fresh Air, if you remember the Office first season, they come out with like hitting hard of like I think they deal with like office harassment. They do with healthcare benefits. It's and real bad. Yeah, yeah. Like they, the they, Office. They, yeah, The Office comes out hitting real hard, too, that first season, which some people forget. Like, episode three talks about when he has to, like, remove their health care. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of like what, what I was going to say is that a little bit, um, they do, like, because Arrested Development's also before before this, and that one I would ima- I'd argue is probably a little bit smarter, kind of messed up people you're supposed to hate kind of humor compared to what we get in Always Sunny. Um And okay, sorry. And then the league comes out after this. I think the, I think the league is pretty similar to this in, in a lot of ways. But the league comes out. I think two thousand nine. I think the league, when the league comes out. So uh, something like that. I think two thousand nine. So they're on there. Ten or something. Which actually so, uh, would be bad to do a league episode. It's weird because it's it's a show that obviously we enjoyed, but uh, and we brought up multiple times. But it is one of those like it ends up being accumulation of like all these episodes that we're doing right now. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And kind of like while all like while those shows like have come and gone, like there is no more office, there is no more how I met your mother, um or some of these other shows are now just like Netflix kind of afterthoughts at this point. Um Always Always Sunny is still here and they're still doing things with uh, like this nihilistic approach to comedy that basically takes Seinfeld's lesson uh or Seinfeld's lesson of like there is no lesson and basically dials up to, to 10 and they basically continue that trend even 15 years later. Um, I think that some of this dark humor stuff, as much as like, we don't want to be like, even like Matt said at the beginning, like some of his favorite, favorite moments, he doesn't want to say on here because some of it's dark, but it's also like really funny. That's why it took me so long to say anything too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I think like what, like why it lands so well with a lot of people is because it comes off as comedy. That's a little bit more realistic to the, real life and things that people may or may not say, or just at least at the very least, like just be character, character, caricatures of people that we know, like in real life that would probably do some stupid stuff like this compared to, you know, the kind of hijinks that happen in like how I met your mother and things like that. So is how I met your mother any good. I've tried watching it. It's not bad, but I've just never I understood like the hype of it that people. Always it's I, good. I, I'll stand by. It's good. If you watch the alternative ending, because the original ending is terrible. So I love the series. I hate the ending. That last yeah. episode is awful because it undercuts the entire series. But, like, the length of the series, like, what happens there and stuff like that, I think it's really good. I don't, un- again, I don't understand why the hell Twitter hates it so much, but they do. Um, and it bugs me. Uh, but the same way people say liking The Office isn't a personality, hating How I Met Your Mother isn't a personality either. 
So, I never yeah, cared I for it. Out of all these, the show also. Out of all these shows, that was the one show I just could not. I've seen episodes because obviously syndication, but it was one show I could not. Just like I want, I don't want to sit here and watch this more than an episode. It gets pretty good, and uh, you realize it's like you know, like Ted's kind of like not a good person. Um, I mean, Lily's kind of bad sometimes. I like too. Lily. Um, Marshall's but, perfect. Yeah, Marshall's perfect, and he's also a Vikings fan, so I just automatically <laughs> like Marshall. Just period. Uh, but the show's good. The show's good if you watch the alternative ending that they had to come out with because the original ending was so bad. Um, besides the point. Besides the point. But I think another thing that like helps always suddenly have staying power over some other sitcom shows is the fact that it kind of takes place more or less at the same time now, kind of in the way that South Park does. So they get to apply that same kind of like nihilism to their everyday lives. So, you know, the gang um, episodes like Gun Fever, the gang goes jihad, the gang <laughs> solves the North Korea situation, the gang exploits the mortgage crisis, Mac fights gay marriage, uh, Time's Up for the Gang, which is a more recent episode that kind of covers sexual harassment in the workplace, which is much more over the top <laughs> than they do. The office because now i'm like comparing the episodes in my head and they definitely go a much different way with it than the office did now that i'm trying to think about it yeah the episode's probably not the best even like now i think that was like season 13 i think they did episode <laughs> no it's, it's the entire great. so that's the thing though like this is like archer archer is never good none yeah. of the stuff that archer makes fun of or how they do it is good because you're supposed to know that the people are crap and that's what always sunny does and i specifically think about mac because Mac's whole anti-evolution and his fights gay marriage thing, I have known Catholics like that. And the fact that they ground it so heavily in Mac's Catholicism is where, is where the critique is. I don't know. I When I think of like shows that just kind of like, I mean, I, I liked South Park, but I feel like a lot of South Park just turned into we're going to shock and we're just putting it out there versus we're doing this to like present something larger. And I'm not saying that the writers of Always Sunny in Philadelphia are these grand geniuses. They would say they are. They would. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they're doing things in a way that does offer critiques of the behaviors being done. And they do that throughout the entire series, even when they are extremely like messed up and I don't know how that how it got made. Like, there's never a point where I'm like, oh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia is glorifying this. The same way I'm not like, oh, Archer is glorifying this. But, like, and I, I think back to, like, your thing about Mac. Like, my one of my favorite episodes of Always Sunny in Philadelphia is, like, when he's explaining evolution. And he's just, like, calling all the scientists science bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then you see him slowly start swading the gang over and like that's like that's like that's arguments that probably really happen with people trying to dissuade people from science and like it worked with the gang like it works in real life like that's that's an actual conversation that i'm pretty sure happens um in in that way yeah i mean obviously like they're not doing stuff nearly as kind of crazy and out there as south park but i think they're doing it in a way that's like relatively realistic enough on like how strum schmucks from Philadelphia would engage in these real life situations. Um, like when they do like the, the podcast thing and Dennis is like, is there a war going on? I hear there's a war going on. Can, can you tell me about the war? And he really knows nothing about what's going on there, but he just wants to talk about it. Um, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like South to me, South park is just like, they just throw, they throw things at 
at audiences because they're trying to just be shock jocks essentially, and that's what they've always been. I well, mean, no, they had. I was like, I don't, I don't buy that. I was like, they had. Okay, no, that they did really good stuff before. I was like, the first all about the ten York, seasons or so. Of all South of the new really stuff I watched, like probably like 2011 on was just trash i i said i haven't watched anything for south park in a while we probably do need to do a south park episode but i will say a lot of the early stuff south park does and probably up to like said probably 2012 which is probably almost in season 10 to something like 15 or something like that they do a pretty good job but i do agree with like some of the last the most recent a lot a lot of the stuff that they are doing now and especially when they stop when they switch to pushing a lot more current stuff like actual like day after that kind of stuff it was literally just like it's like the tabloids of animation essentially which is frustrating because you can watch it go down the tubes um but for me what i was saying is like i like i'm not saying that sunny always sunny philadelphia isn't over the top it's over the top but that they're not they do things with purpose whereas south park currently just does stuff to shock you which is the yep. difference for me on like what makes it good comedy versus bad comedy and why always sunny can get away with stuff that it does for sure um yeah so like definitely lots of like dark humor and stuff but i do kind of want to talk about some kind of more underrated things that they do because they do obviously do like lots of dark humor lots of raunchy humor but there are some like really good episodes that really just show kind of like the caliber of production and writing that they put into this and some of this is kind of more in the kind of later episodes once they get like a little bit more budget and a little bit more control um over how they're filming stuff and they kind of can just experiment with things so i have a couple that come to my come to mind just more immediately and if there's other ones we can kind of talk about those but i'm thinking about episodes like charlie work in season 10 episode 4 where as they prepare for a visit from the health inspector Charlie desperately tries to get the pub and gang ready and it's shot like a single take. The episode is filled with energy and fun and Charlie does the, uh, does the best that he can while like the gang is like doing their own thing. And you get like a kind of slow burn gag with a bar stool, which is just icing on the cake. I don't know if you guys have seen that episode, but it basically just yes. follows like Charlie's perspective as yeah. everything's going on. And it's that, such a good episode. That was the one where I actually just felt sad for Charlie as a character because I'm like, Charlie just wants to do something nice and keep the bar open and nobody yeah. is actually listening or helping him. And yeah. he's just like, you just realize that like Charlie is just an inept person who needs these people but actually can just be good and just normal sometimes. And yeah, like part and of me feels... lead the scheme because he does a really good job. Yeah. So like for me, I just feel like Charlie is just the... Charlie's just the guy who could have gone either way. Definitely. Um, the the... What's up, Matt? I said he just met the wrong people. For sure. Because they've also been friends for, like, ever. Yes. Um, in case you're wondering. Like, they didn't just meet. Like, they've known each other forever. So, the gang goes to hell in season 11, episode 9. I'm not sure if you guys have seen this one, but the gang boards a Christian cruise liner upon Max request, which that alone just shows you where the show is still at. Um, <laughs> they say, like, a show there's... I mean, Max is still, like, working through, like, um, his... Um, is still working through being gay and he's like there's two gay people on this on this boat and they're like oh yeah who's the other one because he hasn't fully come out at this <laughs> oh, point yeah that's right <laughs> um and they basically do a bunch of stuff and they end up in boat jail where they basically they just lock him in 
in like the bottom of the boat because they're just doing ridiculous stuff. And they actually built a tank and for them to film the scenes in when they go to the jail room and it starts to flood. So they basically built this whole giant take, which they thought at the time was like kind of unnecessary, but they actually go, they film them going up and down and things like that. They do all of, all of those things. And Danny DeVito actually almost drowns during like the filming of this sequence because um, he didn't sink very well because he's very buoyant. If you've seen Danny DeVito, he's basically <laughs> like the epitome of buoyancy. So they had to weigh him down and then some of the scenes he couldn't swim back up. And then they had to like go save him, and apparently he like stormed off the set one day because they Aww, almost killed him. Poor Danny DeVito. But from like you know a no budget pilot to building a giant tank in a in a warehouse to film a scene just kind of shows kind of the lengths that they're willing to go even now to kind of push what they're doing for the show. That same season, being Frank, season eleven, episode six, is basically a first person perspective of Frank as the rest of the gang tries to put on one of their schemes, but obviously Frank is old and crazy. So you basically go through a whole episode from Frank's perspective, from a man who is very small, very old and says things that are not very nice, um, which came, comes with its own challenges of trying to like film it correctly uh, from his perspective, but also kind of have the right kind of takes and things like that. Uh, a lot of work went into filming that episode and it comes off really great. I'm not sure if you guys have seen that one, but being Frank, Really, really great episode where you just it's actually like this one of the only episodes where we don't even get like the uh, the intro song. It's just Frank, basically the whole episode. Um, the gang saves the day in season nine, episode six, uh, while making a beer run at a local convenience store. The gang witnesses a robbery take place and each one of them comes up with a scenario in their head that will save the day making them heroes. Mac has like a four minute fight scene versus Yakuza that they like legit choreographed with stunt coordination and wires and things. And it is fantastic. It's like the most like over top, like stunt coordination they've done. What I think this is the episode. I'm pretty sure this is the episode that got them the nomination that, that year because of how over the top and legit they do the stunt coordination. Like they put Rob uh, Mac on like some wires and make him like flip through the air over carousels and stuff. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that episode. That's pretty mm -hmm. good. It's not working that pretty. I think Kate would appreciate, at least for like the low grade, you know, this is always sunny Philadelphia, like the kind of work they're able yeah. to pull off for that. Pretty good. Um, this is a little bit more controversial because of the stuff that they do in it, but um, the D. Reynolds shaping America's future, season six, episode nine, slash the gang makes Lethal Weapon six, which is where the first one is where they make. Lethal Weapon 5, second one's where they make Lethal Weapon 6. And behind the scenes, they do a lot of work and stunt work to make it look bad, but also good at the same time. Like, bad is in, like, these are some dudes who are just doing the show or doing the show or doing the movie. Yeah, they do, like, a whole bunch of, like, reverse filming stuff to make it look bad. But then they also do blackface in it, which is obviously not good, but... And then finally, the the Nightman cometh, which is season four, episode thirteen, which is arguably one of the best episodes in the entire the series. The best episode, um, where they basically do a crappily done production of one of Charlie's plays. Remember, Charlie can barely write and can barely read, and he puts on a whole opera, and you know, crappily done production, and still ending in the joke that lands even despite all the ridiculousness that happens in the episode. Early fun fact, the cast actually toured some cities doing the musical, 
and the tour came after a Westwood Hollywood nightclub um, advertised the group would be doing the entire production as opposed to a couple of numbers. So they were only supposed to go in there, do a couple of the songs, but they ended up doing the whole thing, and they toured like six cities doing the musical. <laughs> and they actually had Danny DeVito's wife come in and play in the musical. So officially, if you count there doing the musical, everybody's significant other has been in the show at least once. So this is where I say two things. D's Princess Peach dress <laughs> and Max eyeliner. <laughs> I will say this episode is great and it is just so weird because it it's just so off the wall, but it comes off like so well done the way they do this musical. Yeah, it's it's just crazy like how they're able to do bad but it just comes off as like that's you, you did that bad in like it's such horrible, the best way but possible it's amazing at yeah the same like this time. is awesome even though i have no idea what's going on right now Damn. i guess like oh <laughs> don't tell me what to do <laughs> so yeah, i think the one thing the one the one thing that comes up the most in my brain i don't say it but like the troll toll. The troll toll. <laughs> I always think hole. the yeah, troll yeah, yeah. toll. And it's funny. But it's funny because like every now and then, like, um I'll like stop mad in the hallway to kiss me, and in my head I'm like the troll toll. <laughs> 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 but I never say it. But it's there. <laughs> That's yeah, probably man. the one thing from Always Sunny that pops into my head like nonstop. Yeah, and I guess like also thinking about like the when they do like the whole musical number um, at the the reunion, where they think that they're just doing like this elaborate like high school musical that thing and they're just not the, doing it's that. So good. It's such like a well shot scene just it's in general. So it's another one that comes to mind of like where it's more than just you know slapstick jokes. Um, they do some pretty decent production value, and also they put Caitlin Olsen Olsen through a lot in this show. Um, they you know, do a bunch of stuff with D and apparently she does a lot of her own stunts. So she just lets everything happen. The verbal punishment and the physical punishment. <laughs> Caitlin Olsen's yeah. all for it. You remember the episode where she's dating the rapper guy and she can't figure out if he's like actually uh, <laughs> yeah. all there. And then he like, and she yeah. like tries yeah, to yeah. like make, she makes the jokes. And then all of a sudden he like does that whole rap song about her at the end. And it's like, I guess and he's like, you're single now. And she's like, Oh, I guess he did know what he was talking about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, lots, lots of good stuff. So, um, I can't couldn't really think of some some other ones kind of like off the top of my head, but I think those are like the biggest ones where they went past just doing you know these people in a bar doing messed up stuff to each other to this do messed up people this let's film messed up people, but let's also do it in a way that's kind of like more interesting than just a normal kind of sitcom way of doing things, and those come across pretty well. No, I do think that they've done a lot of uh, cool stuff, but I do like enjoy just like. As we said, the Seinfeld stuff of like everyday things have turned into pretty well. As we like I just mentioned, like D just happened to be in a relationship and it turned messed up. Um, I think they get stuck in a pool one time. Um, like just very yeah yeah yeah. They go to like the golf course and they try to be I think it's male uh, prostitutes. Um, yep, that's that's in I think the second season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but no, like they've done like very uh, mundane things that end up being very well. Even like just opening Saint, like Saint Patrick's Day when they do the Saint Patrick's Day episodes have always been good. Oh, the one where they kidnap people. Well, I mean, you can say whatever you want about good, but the episode, 
No, I'm just saying, like, is that the one? Because they do, they do a couple of St. Patrick's yeah. episodes, but the one that comes to my head yeah. is... Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, they do the... I mean, but just seeing, like, some of the stuff, as much as we do, they do a lot of cool stunts and, like, even the stuff, but it really does have that, like, Seinfeld on crack for a lot of the episodes of, like, them just hanging out in a bar and them doing mundane things that turns into, like, you know, we found crack and we're now homeless or something, and... Yeah, I mean, they did get... That's literally things that happen... <laughs> Oh gosh! D and Charlie thought, or D and Charlie think that they're addicted to human meat. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and they found out that yeah. D's like purse house sitters, like a or person she's house sitting to serial killer. Yeah, that was. Uh, yep. Funny. Well, then there's the other episode too, where the other I think it, I don't know. Do they also own a bar? But the siblings come in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they get trapped in the bar with the siblings, the other the yeah. the crazy ones. Yeah, that's a, not yeah. that they're not crazy, but. Yeah, because then you throw in like the McPoyles, and we're like, uh, like who, who is really the weird people in this show? Yes. Uh, yeah. Is McPoyles weird, or is the, the gang weird? Um, kind of one last, but why though? Uh, like, more or less, like, this is kind of a career starter for um, a lot of the characters in the show. Obviously, not Danny DeVito, right? Because Danny DeVito is like, they brought him on Danny for a DeVito. reason, but. <laughs> Charlie Day, who played Charlie, of course, hasn't didn't do didn't really do anything before Always Sunny, other than small one-off appearances. Now is the co-creator of Mythic Quest, which is fantastic. If you haven't watched Mythic Quest, please go watch it. It's great, um, and has also probably been the one who's done like the most big movies. So he's been in Pacific Rim, the Lego Movie, Horrible Bosses, Monsters Universe, Monsters University. Um, I will say Horrible Bosses is kind of underrated. It's not great, but it's not as bad as what I. It's think. underrated. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love horror bosses. I mean, we, I watched that one in theaters. I, I loved it. I liked the first one, but even the second one actually was not as bad as I kind of remembered. Yeah, because people seem to really either. hate the second one. I think we went on a plane trip last last year and I watched it. I'm like, oh, this movie still kind of not. I mean, obviously it's not. You know, we're gonna win any awards, but it wasn't as bad as like people are like, oh, this is the most horrible movie ever. Like, no, this wasn't awful. Yeah, but also like, I mean. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey's also. great in those movies, which once again goes back to the fact that <laughs> this always ends up with movies. me going, really Kevin Spacey in these movies were great, and obviously we know why, but there is a reason he plays these great characters that he comes off great for just those. Even yeah. in the second movie, he doesn't do a lot. He's literally in jail the whole time, and it's still just great for like the three scenes that he's in. Good stuff. <sighs> um, Rob McElhenney, who plays Mac. Um, basically same as Charlie hadn't done a bunch then he would also go on to co-create Mythic Quest and basically be the main star of that show uh, also like to like preface this like they're, they're still doing Always Sunny which is still a show that's still running so I mean they're not going out and doing like amazing things but they're also like doing other creating other shows like Mythic Quest I um, thought they did another I thought them two did another animation show I could be they wrong. did okay. um, but it, it just wasn't as big so I was just trying to get like the biggest thing okay that's fine because I was like I thought they yeah. both did an animation show and I couldn't remember what it was but it looked interesting but I don't remember if I actually watched it or not yeah um, and then Glenn Howerton who plays Dennis probably had like the biggest career prior to Always Sunny because he was in Serenity as like one of the extras he was in that's 80 show <laughs> did like six <laughs> episodes of ER <laughs> Yes, that's a huge career. We do not count. I mean, that's I said the biggest career career. of the three of them. You should be ashamed to be in that eighty show. (laughs) I forgot that eighty show was a thing. Look, look, look! I didn't remember the show either. I had to, I had to Google it. (laughs) (laughs) I had to Google which character he was in Serenity, and I've watched Serenity multiple times. Apparently, he was just one of like the goons in in the thing. Um, But he was, he was a doctor in six episodes of 
ER two thousand three, so that's more than both of the than Rob and Charlie did. Uh, but now is the producer and the main actor for AP Bio. That's still um, on. Yeah, they renewed it on a different network. Okay, I don't know anymore because yeah, these so shows. Like, I quit watching cable television when I don't have it, but also because shows seem to come and go so fast that it's hard for me to get invested in things. Yeah, I just wait till stuff comes up on Hulu or CBS and all uh, CBS thing. Um, but yeah, AP Bios, at least at this point, I don't know with everything that's going on, but they did pick it up. Uh, Caitlin Olsen, D, of course, um, really was, and still at least to me, this is just my thing here, that whenever I see her on stuff, I'm like, oh, hey, that's D. Like, yeah. ah, bird. Yes. Um, this, is, this is especially true in Space Force when I saw her in Space Force as like the entrepreneur lady. And I was like, oh, she's just, she's doing a good D in this, this thing. Yes, um, she but she was also the whale in Finding Dory and the star of of the Mick. I never saw the Mick. Didn't. I didn't realize she was. I didn't realize she was uh, in Finding Dory. Yeah, she's the the whale shark. I tried to watch the Mick, and no, no. Space Force is no, good. No, no, no. That episode yeah, with her is good. Yeah, she's good in Space Force. Um, and that's kind of all I have, other than some like fun facts, because there's plenty of fun facts for for this show outside of kind of what we've talked about. Um, so I'll just run into quick fun facts and we'll kind of wrap up from there. Uh, Kate's favorite director and person on the planet, who is Guillermo del Toro. He plays Papa McPoyle in season eight. I had no idea that was the Wait, case. Wait, what? <laughs> yes. He plays Papa McPoyle in season eight when they do the whole court scene thing. And he's like the, the crazy dude with like the bird in his, in Wait, his head. Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, apparently he was like a big fan of the show. Oh my God. Yeah, he apparently is like a big fan of the show and reached out and they didn't think he was serious, but then he showed up on set one day um, when they invited him. Fun, fun fact. Fun, fun fact. He showed up in the costume. That's his costume. Yeah, Uh, it's great. I watched like a whole bunch of like behind the scenes of him and they're like trying to interview him and he's just like in character like almost the entire time. It's it's really, really great. And I thought Kate would really like that once I had to put that. I didn't know this. I didn't know it either. It blew my mind. I thought I, I googled it like I picked like seven different links because I didn't believe it. I thought they were just messing with me. Uh, prior to Caitlin Olsen joining the show, the character of Sweet D was originally played by Jordan Reed, who at the time was Max's girlfriend, um, but was recast after they broke up. She also turned down the role like five times apparently because they kept offering her money, like more and more money, but she kept turning it down because she wanted something bigger. Um, and then she was initially written to be kind of more of a restrained character, kind of the voice of reason and not necessarily like the bad person. But when Caitlin Olsen brought it up to Rob, um, he's, he basically said, we don't really know how to write women because we kind of just write ourselves. And then Caitlin Olsen replied, well, don't write a woman, just write another funny character and I'll make it a woman. So I don't know, like, this is like their, like, their, like, love moment. But in my <laughs> head canon, like, that's like their love moment. Where the she love was moment like, where ah. she was like, stop being a dumbass, just write, and I'll fix yeah. it. I'll yeah. fix your, I will fix your mistakes that you make, just do it. Yeah, so I just feel like that was like their love moment where, you know, they trusted each other and they just, like, 
or 15 years later. She still trusted him to get it wrong. Yeah. But it is funny because it kind of, once again, with Seinfeld of like, you would think that D was supposed to be the voice of reason. And they kind of show little glimpses of it every now and then. But for the most part, you're like, no, she's just as bad, if not worse. D isn't the voice of reason. She just gets picked on by everybody, which sometimes <laughs> make her seems like the good one. Yes. But she's awful. Well, that's what I'm saying. You yeah. kind of have like, the moments where you're like, oh. Charlie is the only one that I get that I give sympathy to because he's a precious baby. He just needs to be saved. <laughs> um, and then since it was basically shot on a camera recorder and Rob basically held the camera recorder the whole time while um, Charlie and Glenn were in the actual pilot, they basically shot that pilot for nothing. There's like a varying things here. Like people say, oh, they shot it for a hundred bucks. But Charlie Day says like, no, we didn't spend any money. Nobody got paid for that pilot so they basically went in there with something that cost them zero probably cost them money to make and came out with like this entire show with just that pilot there is a russian version of the show called it's always sunny in moscow i need to watch this i need to watch this yeah now. i need to i need to find it too the um cast... also i was gonna say uh, the tailgating episode is also a phenomenal episode yeah. as a person who tailgated yeah, because... a lot yes is great <laughs> yeah i love uh when I love the Green Man. Green Man's great. Yes. Um, that's. I think the show also kind of skewered my my vision of Eagles fans. But then I saw Eagles fans go to the Super Bowl, and I was Eating like, Oh no, that's how they actually poop? are. Like, no, that's Eating how they are. literal horse poop off the street in viral <laughs> yeah. videos. Yeah. If you're a Phillies fan or you're an Eagles fan, they had I'm to sorry, lube but this the is, this three is... poles because people kept climbing climbing them. <laughs> Like that's just that's just life. Like, can you imagine being a sunny, city worker? You bad. And that was your job for day. Hey, can you take this like lube and just go lube all the street lights, please? And like, excuse me, just take all the poles, every pole you see, just lube it. The gang lube street poles. Is... That would actually be a good episode. Oh my gosh. Um, despite like working in a bar and having a whole bunch of drunk hijinks, the cast actually never drinks on set, so they they just act that out the entire time. Um, on the road to becoming Fat Mac, Rob ate about 5,000 calories a day, and apparently it was supposed to be everyone was supposed to put on weight, but everyone like bowed out, but Rob was like, no, nah, I'm just going to keep doing it, and then put on all the weight by eating 5,000 5, calories a day to put on that 50 pounds. So I will say um, the best part of Fat Mac, obviously there's a lot of parts of like, obviously the whole, I just built, put all this on to chisel it out, but... I love when they go to the doctor and Dennis just keeps calling him fat, like worthless whole time. And the doctor goes, "No, you are the unhealthy one." So. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that one's so That's good. And I use that I don't know how you're alive because <laughs> because I use that example all the time with Kate when I first met Kate because Kate apparently never knew the word like that skinny fat existed. And I was like, "Oh no, skinny fat's a thing." And she's like, "What?" I was like, "Have you never seen the episode? Like, there are plenty of people who look like quote unquote healthy that are skinny, but they're the most unhealthy people ever." And that episode was always my example of like. Remember that episode? Like, Dennis was the unhealthy one. In a world of Dennis's, be a fat Mac. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I was watching one of the one of the things. He was talking about, like, how he went from the transition from fat Mac to, like, skinny Mac. And he was like, yeah, it could be real easy. Just don't eat. Hire a trainer. Just work out a bunch of times. It's real easy. Like, why isn't everyone doing this? But when he was, like, in the process of becoming fat Mac, the doctor was like, dude, like, stop putting on weight. Because he wanted to put on more weight. But the doctor was like, dude, just stop. <laughs> like, you're eating 5,000 <laughs> calories a day. And you're doing this in, like... A few months like just just stop bro i want to eat five thousand calories a day dude five thousand calories i ate dinner and i'm God. still hungry right now adrian <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Um, uh, and then just kind of one last one. Most of the show is shot in California, obviously, you know, that's just kind of like how it goes. So sometimes you'll see things like Jack in the Box in the background of some shots, and there actually isn't a Jack in the Box in Philadelphia. So there's like little things like that where they get some of that stuff wrong. And now the show is actually shot on the same lot that San, uh, that Seinfeld was shot on um, for the last, I think, from season 13 on. They are shooting it on that same that same lot now. Nice. So, so it's like a circle. It's a circle. They went to Seinfeld on crack. We're going to be Seinfeld on crack on the same lot as Seinfeld. Yes. And that's all I got. Uh, final thoughts, Matt. Um, I probably need to actually catch up on the show. It's like um, so before. Um, I did enjoy this show. It's definitely over the top. I've always liked this show. Um, I. We've not figured out through 146 episodes or 47, whatever this is at this point. Um, this is definitely shows that I watch. I don't. Ex- I know these characters are bad, and I guess it's just it's hilarious. Cause, I don't know. I don't ever expect like, oh, my goal is to, my my life goal is to be Dennis. Like, no, that's not that's not the point of the show. Um, I was worried. I'm glad to see it's still going because I'm not gonna lie. Within like all the stuff within the last five years, I thought this was gonna be one of the shows that I'm having to get act or run into trouble. But to see it's actually still going pretty strong has been nice to see. Um, I wish it did win more awards because I do think it's worthy of a lot of awards, especially considering when we probably pull up some of the stuff that they lost to. I'm like, ah, they're great, but you, you're in reality, you're still probably pretty safe, just like general audience TV show. So that's about it. Um. You know the implication. Go, go to the next person. <laughs> you, know, you know, you now know the implications, the implications. of if you watch this show. Uh, Kate. Uh, yeah. So my my comments are kind of similar to Matt's. I I think a lot of the times what happens with shows like Always Sunny or Archer, um, they just get written off before people actually take time to sit and watch it. Because I I mean I don't think the humor is for everyone because it does go places. But at the same time, I think that if if somebody says that this is just a bad show that is that does awful things, it is. But like, did you actually watch the show, or did you watch the show and the first time something happened, you didn't actually look at what was what the critique that was happening in it? Because like, it's I don't know. Always Sunny is a stupid show. Like that, it, it is stupid. But like. It also, like, does have some good things to it, too. Like, especially, like, when Mac uses his big Catholic arguments, he's, they're making those arguments with that character to show you how bad those arguments are. And so I think when there is that level of parody, it's, and done like it's done in Always Sunny, which is a very good way, I think that, like, people who write it off have no interest of even trying to understand it. So I, I do think that Always Sunny has a lot to offer. Um, and I do yeah. think, to think, just go add on, at the end of the day, there are pl- as much as we say this is bad, there's plenty of people in the world and out just even probably even Philadelphia that probably do some of the stuff, if not a lot of the stuff that we see in this show, as bad as it is. Charlie would 10 out of 10 eat horse poop. Yes! If- <laughs> Charlie, yeah. And so, yep. like, if you just close your eyes, and, like, this is not real, this never happened, it's bad. I'm like, no, the whole char- the, he said the Mac argument is u- been used for years and by m- probably thousands of people. Yep. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's a great way to kind of get us out of here. Um, I one of my biggest things I think just kind of add on. Um, I agree with everything you guys said, but one of the biggest reasons too, like why I like the show, is that you have like we've had basically this entire episode. So like, do you remember that one moment, or like, do you remember that one thing, or like if you say a reference, someone like people get it. I love stuff like that, and Always Sunny in Philadelphia is filled with those kind of things, and people who watch the show get those and can have a good laugh um, about them. Um, and that's something that's really great. And I just love how they've just kind of just stay true to what they've wanted to do in the beginning. And they're still staying true to it now, as far as like, they're still using the same intro sequence since 2005. They're still using the same music since 2005. Like they're kind of keeping towards that, um, what they set out to do when they filmed it on a camcorder. And here we yeah. are 2020. And I would love to see what they're writing <laughs> in their, in their rooms right now to kind of cover what's going on this year. Um, because they probably wouldn't even be open for a lot of the next season. Probably, I don't know. I I I'd love to see the kind of comedy they they come up with. But yeah, that's it for me. Dick towel. Oh. oh God. Well, as always, you can find us on social media at butwhyoutpc on all of the things. And if you'd like to support us a little bit more, head on over to patreon.com slash butwhyoutpc. You can follow me on Twitter at oh my mythrandier Adrian. Yep, you can find me. On Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z, 93. Matt? I'm going to go really work out and not be a fraud and just work on the glamour muscles.